Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hi, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast episode. So glad you're with us today. I am Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And this is part three with Pua Weikert, who is a dear friend of mine, a Hawaiian Mormon all of her life, began to question the faith, and now actually has a Christian ministry called agapefocus.life, she says. Pua was just telling us um, how difficult her life was at age 15. And the reason that it was difficult is she had experienced as a freshman some sexual abuse. Now, Joel and I have been just blown away by how many people we've interviewed. And we often don't know ahead of time what's in their background, right? And they go wherever yeah. they want to go when we interview them. And yet this, um, this theme of sexual abuse has come up over and over and over and over as we're talking about transitioning from Mormonism to faith in Christ. So Pua, tell us about your experience, dear. Oh, well, I just want to start out um, by, by telling my mom and my mom and my brothers and my sisters that I love them very much and that everything that has transpired in our family um, concerning uh, the sexual abuse that I have forgiven everything. I hold no condemnation against my perpetrators um at all and i really i really want my family to know that um so starting out i actually um where do i begin lord um i actually was sexually abused from as young as i can remember i was still in a high chair i have memories from that far back um in my high chair and I can describe my high chair because there was a lot of things that happened to me um as an infant and stuff like that and so I had you know um several perpetrators uh in my family um who uh you know very much sexually abused me it was it was um there was rape um that happened before I was even in kindergarten um I was getting raped and uh, this was like, this was almost on a daily basis. So it became like part of my life. Um, it was just normal. Like I, I thought it was normal um, growing up and uh, it didn't stop until I was 11 years old. But when I was 15, uh, going back to that, when I was 15, I was trying to tell my mom the truth about what happened and and that didn't that absolutely did not go well and i i've forgiven her for that uh because i can only imagine um what she was going through as a mom you know hearing for the first time you know what was happening in her family and and um 
it, it, I know that it broke her heart. I, I remember hearing her cry for months. Um, and I even got sent away um, to live with my sister after all of that had come out when I was trying to tell her the truth. And so I lived with my sister in North Carolina, um, did my sophomore year and that didn't work out. And then um, I was homeschooled after that because my world was crumbling. <laughs> um, so mother believed you, Pua? Um, that, I don't think she believed me at that time. Um, and I think it was just too much for her to accept that she just had to get me out of the house, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it wasn't until I, after my son Logan was born that, uh, things started to unravel, uh, for our family and it, it came back around, if that makes sense. And I was going in to see my bishop and talking to him about things. And it was my bishop um, who contacted uh, the church legal system and helpline, the abuse line. Um, Salt Lake City has a church abuse line. And so he contacted them, asked them, you know, what's the process for this? You know, do we bring charges against our perpetrators? I mean, it was going to be a big deal. And uh, my dad called. And he knew, uh, he was in contact, um, with my Bishop at that time. And so my dad called me and I'll never forget, uh, that phone call, um, because my dad was pleading with me not to bring any charges against my perpetrators and to remember, you know, that they have families, they have children, please don't do this. Um, because these were family members or church members or both? family members and church members and, um, family members who are in high callings. <laughs> um, so it was, uh, he was crying my dad and my dad's not a crier. Um, uh, he's a very stern, staunch, um, man, loving man, but, um, he was he was just so broken and he kept apologizing that he wasn't there for me, that he didn't protect me. And my dad did believe me, um, simply because when he listened to me, um, him and my mom were, you know, on the phone, they were not like yelling, arguing, but they were arguing. And, um, my dad kept saying, you know, Emma, sh she can't be lying. That's too, that's too much detail. That's too much. That's too many things that she remembers as, as a baby you know, there were things that I was telling them details that I remembered, um, that there's no possible way at two or three years old that you could remember. Right. Mm. Um, and so, you know, my mom was, she was going through a process concerning her grief and, you know, the denial and today, you know, my heart goes out to my mom, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom. Um, even though she worked at the church as a custodian, she was still always there. And she was very, very involved in our lives. Um, and so to her, it just seemed like failure. So um, let's set the why. context in Mormonism, right? Yes. Th this um, desire for everything to look perfect. And yes and to the need for other people to think that things were fine in your family there's a lot of pressure the pressure that yeah. made your dad cry 
right? Yeah. Because he probably held an important priesthood position, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He realized he might be partly responsible lest he was feeling some guilt, right? For not protecting you. Yeah. And then that whole, what happens if that becomes public in a Mormon culture? Right. Right. Yeah. And I do want to say my, my father was not one of the perpetrators at all. That man was a working horse. He was always at work. You know, he had seven mouths to feed, you know, plus him and my mom. So, um, he was just, you know, and he was always at church too. So if he wasn't at work, he was at church and it was very, uh, few, you know, few times that we saw him, um, because of his schedule. So, so that's another thing the Mormon culture does for fathers, right? They're working really hard because they're trying to bring home the bacon and have a nice house and all of those kind of things that look nice to the outside world. They're trying to get a good education, but they're also spending 30 hours a week in church work, which means they're not home either for their children. And so what a father in a Christian faith being in the kids' lives often, right? Um, there's a difference between Mormon expectations in Mormon culture. And, and so those kind of things might happen. Yes. And that was, that was a lot of the issue, you know, I, like in my younger years was my mom was in state callings for primary. So she was always gone. And then my dad was always at work. And so that's, that's why it was just open game um, for me. And, you know, um, a lot of times when the the abuse occurred, um, I was threatened, you know, um, literally with my life. And, um, you know, if you tell, if you say anything, you know, we're going to hurt you, we're going to, you know, we're going to kill you. And in fact, um, they, you know, gosh, I can't even believe I'm going here, but, um, while we lived in Hermiston, Oregon, um, my, the, you know, the perpetrators in my life, they had built this, um, this underground fort, uh, and, um, that's where a lot of the abuse used to occur was outside in that underground fort. And because my dad worked at Umatilla army base, um, he would get like all kinds of, um, military gear, you know, uh, for outdoor stuff. And, um, so it was all camouflaged. And, um, and so literally I'll never forget. And I don't even, honestly, to this day, I don't even know how the heck I got out of that. And my dad being a firefighter, um, I remember after being abused one day, um, they set, they set the, um, the fort on fire and I was in there and it was deep. It was a deep hole. And, um, um, all I remember is crying out to God and asking God to please get me out of here because I remember seeing, um, the, the U S army blanket over my head and it was on fire and it, it was dropping down. Like fire was dropping all around me. And I was, I was seven years old at that time. And I don't know how, honestly, I don't know how I got out of there. I don't know if I was crawling out, but I was in such a panic and such a stir. Um, But I do remember um, one of them uh, standing, looking and watching me as I was coming out. 
of the fire. Um, and I'll never forget because when I walked back into the house, my older sister, she was like, what happened to you? Because there was ash, you know, and like, just my clothes were burnt. There was ash on me. And I remember just um, going up to my room and just slamming the door and locking the door and hiding under my bed because um, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what else to say or, or, or tell. Um, so that was, that was one of the, the horrible, horrific times of my life that that happened. Um, you know, it's already bad enough that, you know, I was beaten and, and then used and then, and then, you know, they were trying to kill me by fire and that didn't work. Um, so you began by saying that you forgive your perpetrators. And when you said that, I heard freedom in your voice. I heard that there truly was forgiveness yeah. for this lifetime of abuse. Oh yeah. How did you come to that? And did you know the Lord? <laughs> did you know the Lord of the Bible when you came to that forgiveness? Um, actually, at first, no, I was still Mormon um, and I was still, seen seen my bishop uh, for counsel and I remember um and this was all during the time that I was it was really starting to happen (laughs) it was really starting to happen because I tried to commit suicide after I had um our my husband and I had our son Logan I tried to commit suicide because um I was I was finding things out about the Mormon church that I didn't understand why this was happening to me, why all this stuff was coming out and um, why I was even the way that I was and the things that had happened in my life. So I came to this place where I was so low, so hopeless um, that I, I ended up in the hospital for a week um, and I was in a lot of rehabilitation mentally and I had to go to counseling. And that happened here in Valdez, in fact. Um, and a lot of it had to do with the sexual abuse, but a lot of it had to even do with what I was finding out about Joseph Smith um, in the Masonic realm. And so all of those things were just swirling all around me. I couldn't take it. Um, and did you decide Joseph Smith was an abuser? Was this part of what you were dealing with? And then tell us about the Masonic connection. Yeah, so concerning all of that, when I lost complete hope, it it really, and my husband remembers this so clearly, um, he didn't know what to do. He was a convert. He didn't really know anything um, as deep as what I had come to know. And I was in the Institute of Religion and I couldn't go to anybody. I could, I was trying to go to people to ask them questions about the Masonic uh, roots of Joseph Smith Sr. and Joseph Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. and the and temple, or- temple yeah, ordinances. Uh-huh. The temple ordinances. And, and then uh-huh. I found out um, concerning, you know, how many women that Joseph Smith was involved with um, concerning the polygamy and the young girls he was with. And, and then he had Emma and then you know, God brought me to Doctrine and Covenants. I can't remember what section it is, but it talks about the law of Sarah 
And then I went into the Bible concerning um, Abraham and, and Sarai and everything. And it is, it was just like, no, that's not, that was not a law, you know, and it states that in the doctrine and covenants, it's literally called the law of Sarah. So there was so many things coming to a head that I tried to do, you know, the most horrible thing to do. I, I had, I felt like I had nothing left. There was nothing left of me. And I mm. kept telling God that. And so to get back to your question, um, concerning if, if I knew the God of the Bible, he was coming to me at that time. Mm. He was showing me his love. He was showing me his grace is mostly his mercy mm. and concerning the forgiveness process as a Mormon, I knew, uh, that I had to forgive my perpetrators and I had a dream, uh, this was after I tried to commit suicide and I was just crying out to God. I had a dream about my perpetrators and I saw them in, in hell. I saw them in flames mm. and I, and I, I was in there with them and I, I was crying out to God in my dream. And in my dream, I remember my perpetrators reaching out to me and saying, please help me, please help me. And I said, how am I supposed to help you? when I can't even help myself and I woke up and then I prayed again and the Lord said to me I'll never forget this he said to me do you know how much I love you and and I said no I I don't know anything right now how can you be saying this to me and and then he said well just as much as I love you I love them and I did this for you and for them. It was right at that moment that I felt God's love pierce my heart so deeply. There was nothing that could remove that, you know, those roots of bitterness or unforgiveness. It was his love. The minute I heard him say that what I had done for you, I had done for them. And it is, it is finished. I kept hearing that it is finished. It is finished. And it was like, every time I would hear it, it is finished. 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 It was like coming right through me over and over. It's finished. It's finished. Mm. And it was after that, that I was able to call them and tell them, I love you. I know that God's love is so much powerful for me, for you. And I want you to know that I forgive you. And today I praise God because I can have conversations with them. I can even spend days and days with them and there's nothing and God has so his love his agape love has truly healed every bit of those relationships but God came back and he gave me life abundantly and it was after that that that's when God started showing me who he was and what he was about his truth everything started just it was like waves upon waves of mercy that just kept pounding on and so that's how it all began really um, was after that forgiveness process. And part of that mercy is showing you that performance-based religion is not his gospel. Correct. No. Correct. That he has a gospel of love and a gospel of grace. And it has been my experience that those who have great trauma in their lives like this can come to a place of peace only. Yeah if they know the Lord Jesus Christ and the one from the Bible, the one that saves by grace and who offers mercy 
and who gives you forgiveness yes and does not require anything from you or make you in any feel guilty but frees you yeah from all of that he's an amazing 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 god yes he is and you know for anybody out there who is um who struggled with this and who cannot <clears throat> seem to reconcile what is going on in your life, even after the abuse. So um, if there's anybody out there, whether you're a woman or a man going through these things, just know that God, God is there. He's in everything. There's a scripture in Psalms that says, um, even if, if we make our beds in hell, or even if we are in hell low, I am with you. You know, don't, um, do not doubt his, uh, his powerful workings of coming and being able to break through all of those things that, um, sexual abuse and the manipulation is just, it's horrible. It's awful. I know what it's like. Um, and in fact, I could probably walk into a room full of people and I can probably point out the ones who are going through that. Um, it's, it's written on your faces, but God wants to remove that. He wants to take that from you and he wants to give you life. He wants to give you everything that the enemy had stolen and he wants to give it back. He wants, he wants to restore that back to you. And so I'm praying for you. Anybody who's listening, um, please don't hesitate. Uh, 10 years of my life was stolen uh, concerning sexual abuse. And a lot of it has to go into the deep roots of, of the Masonic rituals and the rites um concerning the uh luciferic and sat satanic movement that happened within those uh rites and rituals uh, blood covenants and blood oaths and so that's where that's why we're dealing with this horrible stench within mormonism is what i would say you're saying the root of mormonism yes is satanic and of yes. course, the Bible says, right, if a part of the tree is rotten, the yes. whole root has to be chopped down, right? The entire yes. thing has to go. If any of the fruit of it is rotten, that it can't be true. It has yep. to be torn down. But like you, when it's torn down, your entire identity's gone. Yep. And then you have to go somewhere. And yet God himself came to you. Yes. Which the God of the universe pursues us. And I yes, we're so unaware of it often. And we don't want to pay attention to it. And we yeah. don't want to be bothered. And yet, yep. there he is. It's so yeah. hard for me often with Mormons to explain to them what a personal relationship's like, how much yeah. he loves you and how every little detail is his, right? And yet, yeah. they've never heard anything like that. It, there's no context for it. They can't believe anything. We see yes. God's hand in every little detail of our lives. Yes. And that that was like, uh, that brings me back to um, Isaiah 41. And I, I love, I love Isaiah 41, um, 20 through, I believe it's 24. Um, and that's what I, that's what I wanted to kind of talk about is, um, is where it's, where the Lord says, you know, to consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy one of Israel hath created it. And then he tells us to, or he tells them to produce your cause. 
produce your cause, right? And show me the former things and the latter things. And so when I read that scripture, I really took that literal with the Lord um, concerning my life. I am here I am, I'm producing my cause, Lord God. You have said to produce the former things and the latter things. And this is who I am. This is what has happened to me. And this is, I, I need to know I'm at a, I'm at a crossroads in my life. Um, what do I do now? Because I literally had the choice to become an atheist or to continue with God. So it was one of those two things. Um, and so that scripture, I took very literal. Um, and that's when the Lord really started. I mean, he started moving hard. So he definitely came through and answered. And that's why I love the God of Israel, the living God, <laughs> the spirit of the living God. Like I can't get enough of him and I can't stop talking about him. Like, I don't even know, like when you get saved, how can we not talk about him? How can you not say his name? He has so many names and they're so beautiful and I'm still learning more of his names in the word of God. And so that's what makes me even more excited um, whenever I talk to Mormons and that are still in the faith, you know, the, the faith of Mormonism, I get excited because I remember what it was like to not know him, mm. thinking that I did know him, yeah. but then he come to me and show me who he is. And that's where I get excited because there's no one like him. Praise He's amazing. God. Pua, thank you so much once again. Yes. Go back and watch the first and second episodes with Pua. And uh, thank you, Lord, for opening the heart and the mind of this dear friend of mine and for saving her and now opening her mouth. Grace mm -hmm. and peace. Until next time. Bye, doll. So long. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.